and welcome once again to the Dice Are Screaming. It's, oh. the, it's a Tuesday edition, and we hope your weekend was fruitful and full of all kinds of gaming fun. And, well, we're here to give you another dose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Feelgood's got the fix you need. <laughs> That's right. I'm coming at you with Mike and Randy. Dr. Game Good. I'm Randy. And I'm Mike. Yep. And together we form the Dice Are Screaming by some... Weird distalt. Yes. Shape of a 20-sider. That's right. And it's screaming. So, you get right into it. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing the archery versus melee. Glad to see that uh, some folks really liked that. It was kind of a hit or miss with us, but uh, we definitely got a lot of good side jokes in on that, as well as some differing points of view on the evolving <laughs> nature of melee and archery. Oh, and yeah, some folks may have mistaken our long-standing banter for actual hostilities. No. No, uh, any blows that we came to over this stuff happened literally before we had our first gray hair. So, uh, <laughs> that's water under the bridge. But we mercilessly rib each other over these things and have for, well, uh, this is, I think is this is the third decade we have been ribbing each other over these things. Yeah. And we're cruising towards the fourth before long, so, yeah. <laughs> yep, and working on that fourth one. So, join us, we have almost 70 years. Oh, yeah, combined a total of 70-plus years of gaming. would make one very old gamer. Yeah. And good for that gamer! Mm. But uh, tonight, we're going to pull out another rabbit from the hat. This is about paladins tonight. Yeah, we're going to talk all about paladins. Hello! Doers of good deeds. Yep, and if there's ever been one class that's been more tortured, misjudged, and <laughs> misplayed, it's the paladin. And when somebody comes to the table and said, I'm playing a paladin, there's always a rolling of eyes and deep sighs. Well, I guess our, there goes my dreams for being a glorious reaper of men and bringing a great tally of woe to my enemies. Yeah, As the so paladin's much, always going to get in the way. So much for my, my plans for world domination. Why? But what about my 47-point plan for world conquest? Well, I guess because there's a paladin in the uh, party, that's going to come to a screeching halt. And, you know, the paladin does have a certain nature that includes you have to put up with him. And that's probably the biggest problem with anybody playing a paladin or a paladin dynamic in a group. Especially with thieves and all that, but... Yeah, old school, uh, the paladin was no cakewalk. It was, uh... <laughs> it was a very chaotic time uh, at the dawn of AD&D. And although the archetype of the paladin was drawn from Three Hearts and Three Lions, uh, which is a terrific book... Most people had not read that or did not quite live up to the expectation there. They really looked at the list of powers and benefits and said, Oh, that rocks. I really want that. And then they proceeded to try to play it like that meant nothing. You know, yeah. that, that there's no cost for all of those perks and powers. Uh, that is not what was intended. Uh, it was supposed to, to have something cut in the heroic mold. Yep, and, you know... When Paladin first came out, I think it was, uh, oh hell, it wasn't a Greyhawk booklet, but I think maybe it was Eldritch Wizardry. Whichever one of those it was, I can't recall off the top of my head at this moment, but uh, when it was introduced, 
the paladin was required to be lawful, and they also had sort of an expectation of fulfilling the knightly ideal of fair play, virtuous behavior, and almost a chivalrous intent. You know, that you're there to defend the weak, uphold the tenets of law, and behave in a way that made you a hero. And that's the biggest allure of the paladin, and it's a lot of his abilities, is that the paladin class itself is strewn with uh, abilities like being immune to disease, getting a bonus on saving throws, detecting evil, laying on hands, and the ability later on to cure and remove diseases, as well as getting a war horse and some nifty powers with uh, Holy Avenger. So kind of as a paladin, it was kind of built in that you had certain expectations. You were going to work towards a Holy Avenger. And, you know, even questing for your, or getting your sacred paladin mount was a quest that you had to perform on your own. Yeah, you're not supposed to get this as a freebie. Uh, these are things that were supposed to be worked towards in play. Now, I I recall at the time, uh, we did try to live up to the first edition AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide and Player's Handbook uh, expectations of Paladins. We tried. I, I personally have only ever encountered one person who woefully bent the nature of the paladin to suit their whims. Uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah. I did encounter it once. Uh, they really did not get the core concept. that uh, they, they really probably should have been stuck with a character that was chaotic neutral for the maximum amount of personal freedom. Yeah. <laughs> Without going whole hog evil. And, in fact, later they did. I, you, know, you already know of whom I speak. Mm-hmm. We dare not speak his name. We will draw his wrath. No, I kid. I kid. Oh, but, yeah, we've seen it happen. The, the, the paladin has this very clear description, this very well-thought-out, carefully-laid-out intent behind it. And living up to it is a chore. It's also a big hamstring to the rest of the party, if it's played right. Yeah. Because you do have obligations. You know, you can't allow an enormous amount of deceit, treachery, cruelty, and grotesque misconduct uh, when you're a holy warrior traveling with a party of, you know, people who are other adventurers, but a holy warrior wouldn't really travel with particularly vile, cruel, nasty people. Uh, <laughs> so this can lead to a lot of party conflict. It's, 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 if it's not, if you're not weaving the thread carefully, you can have a lot of errors inside your party. A lot of moments of conflict where you're like, ah, but I was just picking a pocket. You were stealing from an elderly merchant who only sells fruits and vegetables. How much money could he possibly have? You are robbing from a person who does not have a vast fortune. Shame on you. Shame. I'm taking you to the jail. <laughs> You're my own party member. How could you do that? With a plum. And that's probably the problem, is that the paladin, when it was originally envisioned, was to be a almost a questing knight, almost in the Arthurian cut. But uh, then it began to evolve. Uh, first edition kind of codified the Paladin a little bit more than the original booklet. And then it began to move into relativism of what is lawful good to one culture or one religion may not be lawful good to another and all sorts of things. And so later editions 
uh, started to address that, especially 3rd edition came up with a code of conduct. And that was in addition to upholding the tenets of law and good. A paladin was expected not to lie or cheat. Um, poison use was right out. And, of course, that was right in from 1st edition as well. But, you know, yeah. Even a paladin uh, associating with somebody who used uh, poison was right out. But also a paladin could adventure with somebody who was not uh, good aligned and a particularly lawful good at some point. Um, they could only adventure for a short time with a party that was true neutral or neutrally inclined. Now, and okay. evil, of course, was just right out. Oh, yeah. Uh, evil, of course, is an unforgivable, but... Uh... You know, most of us, and I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it, it's, uh, this is one where the DM, he or she is the fiat commander of the table, and the adjudication of those rules is inevitably up to each and individual game master. So when we played, it was possible to have somebody with a neutral in their alignment, you know, like a non-good alignment, uh, as long as their conduct was not disgraceful. Uh, for instance, if you had a studious but neutral mage uh, amongst a party littered with people who were somewhere between good and neutral, uh, the paladin, well, you know, I forbear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, that was mostly justified by remembering that most of society is not lawful good and does not live the hero creed and paladins are expected to interact, you know, in civilized fashion with people in towns. They do not simply, you know, this merchant is chaotic neutral. I kick over his stand and drive him from this place. No, no, that is not how this works. Uh, you know, it is, it is not lawful a-hole. Uh. <laughs> Awful lawful, as we called it. Yeah. That is not that is not really what was intended. It was just meant to ensure that a person did not select a paladin and then run, run about with a team of rogues turning a blind eye to every wicked deed that they did. If you've got a black guard warrior who just mercifully slaughters everyone in sight, uh, the paladin does not wander around picking the loot from the corpses, putting up with their conduct. So we had a certain broad-mindedness in active play regarding what other players could be aligned. But the conduct of their characters counted a great deal more than their alignment. Uh, of course, evil was still completely... Yeah. It's evil. right out. <laughs> Evil's right out. Yeah, and evil uh, alignment also dictated a lot of different things because the paladin had to detect evil. You know, they were, they could find an evil person right off the bat, and for some game masters that was a big problem as well. But more inclusively, the paladin as a whole was kind of a mishmash of different expectations, and it wasn't as clearly defined. But as Mike said earlier, there was kind of an inclination to lean towards the literary roots of a novel, uh, Three Hearts and Three Lines by Poole Anderson, and... That all helped, but also just an idea of what oh, kind of a, like a crusading knight who did right and had the best interests of uh, heroes in the service of the gods dates back thousands of years. I mean, it's it's the core of mythology. Okay, there there are antecedents in Greek, uh, Babylonian, uh, Indian, uh, 
it'd be for the, what is it? Uh, I'm not sure if it's called the Epic of, but, uh, you know, I'm going to just call it the Epic of Arjuna. Uh, it, there are countless examples of it. And in uh, Asian culture, particularly uh, Japan, the if you've ever read translated versions of 16th century, kind of, you know, the, the Edo era uh, fiction of the time, uh, translations of it are available out there that describe the, the purity and nobility of warriors in the service of God, you know, that in the service of heaven, that exemplified the best of human conduct and, you know, were merciful to those who merited mercy and they were a terror to their enemies and, you know, gentle to all persons in distress and lived up to what we would think of as a paladinly code, despite, you know, not conforming to what we think of as uh, archetypal. Uh, Traditional Western ethos, yeah. And so the paladin had kind of a, a mixed bag of expectations, and also saddled with that was the kind of convoluted system of alignment and adjudication of behavior as a Alignment was early on more of a straitjacket than it was a expectation, but even so, the paladin was expected to go very far in maintaining the absolute purity of lawful good tenants. And you know, there were some people who abused it, but whatnot. And as the game evolved, they began to codify the paladin's behavior into a more less rigid but still very heavy-handed code of do not do this, do not do that, like, do not lie, do not cheat, do not associate with evil willingly, do not tolerate evil in your presence, and etc. And that helped a little bit. But as the paladin grew, so did the powers and some of the expectations of the class as well. And first and foremost, to mention about anything about the old ways of playing a paladin, a lot of people early on in D&D had some different expectations. There was actually almost a regional in the United States, difference in how games were played. And I wasn't aware of it until I started talking to people outside of it. And one of the things that uh, happened more along the East Coast was there was kind of an expectation that um, the game was played as almost a PvP, a player versus player perspective. That if you played a rogue or another type of opportunistic character, like a fighter who was just out for himself, purely mercenary, you kind of just did things, and if there was a paladin in the party, well, if you had to kill him, you had to kill him. <laughs> and people just kind of accepted that. And, you know, in the Midwest, uh, paladins and rogues lay down together like lions among sheep, or sheep among lions, however you want to look at yourself. And the West Coast kind of had a more like loosey doosey, like, hey, it's all right, you know, everybody does their own thing, you know. And so there were different expectations from across the regions, and I think more or less that comes from the type of environments that people played in. Um, larger and more populated areas, people were kind of a little bit out for themselves and pushed, were willing to see other people pushed out of the way in order to further their own goals. And sometimes, and, you know, getting, uh, making sure that the paladin met an untimely demise in the dungeon wasn't uh, completely out of the uh, context of the game. And <laughs> certain people reacted differently to it, but this all gave the paladin kind of a bad rap. And uh, that's a poor thing because the paladin properly played is probably one of the more rewarding aspects of the basic Dungeons and Dragons experience. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're in our camp, then a role-playing challenge is that much more satisfying when executed properly. Uh, at one point or another, 
we've probably played almost every single class at, at one table or another, uh, one convention here or uh, another event there. Somewhere, sometime, we played everything there is to play. And we're still not tired of it. Uh, <laughs> we've done every permutation. So what starts to shift is you stop grading a game so much on whether you're playing uh, exactly the one thing that you like the most, and you start grading on how well did I play this thing that I'm, I'm doing now. And at that point, class specifics and things like that don't matter. But the challenge becomes a little more interesting. At least for me, I, I like an RP challenge where, you know, man, all right, this is, this is going to take a different perspective. And a paladin is one of those things. It's, it's one of those, you got to bring your A game a little more so than with other classes. You, you're going to have to be mindful of what your character would or would not do in this situation. And if you're playing a generic uh, chaotic neutral thief, uh, you really don't have to worry about anything. I mean, you whimsy is your lifestyle. Uh, but with a paladin, that is not the case. You have strictures upon you. You have expectations. Uh, you have to think about the way you're going to conduct yourself in-game and what your long-term plans for the character are. I, a lot of other classes don't offer that. I, they don't really, I mean, obviously you, you can gain levels and gain followers and gain power and, you know, magical items and all of that. The Paladin is a little different, and that's what makes it special, is that you're not really looking for, you know, fortune and glory. Uh, you're looking for, you know, the to be an, exe an exemplary servant of a deity. And that, even more so than the cleric. Uh, a, a cleric might be a humble officiating person who, you know, shepherds his flock, uh, or who fights in the service of her deity. But a paladin, that's an entirely different ballgame. That is, you know, the, the breed apart. Mm -hmm. And a paladin is... Again, kind of uh, a victim of the alignment system. And some people like the alignment system. Some people dislike it, think it should be dropped. And personally, I think that alignment is something that brings flair to the game. And it allows you to express your character's beliefs and make sort of a, if you will, a philosophical background to build your character's actions on. Now, it doesn't straightjacket you, but the paladin is just not beholden to lawful good beholden to a lot of different ideals and oaths. And as Mike said, of course, that, you know, clerics are over a close comparison to the dedication. You know, they can vary widely, but a paladin is always supposed to be that baseline of a good and just warrior who fights nobly and with purpose, but never to extremes or for personal glorification. Although glory can come with success and all the such things, but that's not the main reason why you're doing it. And a lot of people initially were attracted to the Paladin's power as they seen it as a great advantage. Which, hey, rightly speaking, they are. They are terrific advantages, especially at lower levels. Um, Cross-reference the Paladin against the starting abilities of other low-level characters. A lot of people are out there starting with a single spell. 
Uh, the Paladin comes in right out of the gate with a two-point saving throw bonus in the first edition of AD&D. Uh, two-point saving throw bonus to everything, which is a wonderful bet hedger right there. Okay, more than... I've seen a lot of characters bite the dust over a one-point needed on that saving throw that they didn't get. Number two, the ability to heal people with a touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, while wearing... You know, heavy armor, uh, carrying premium weapons. Uh, a lot of people choose the sword and board method, but uh, it's not actually a rigid standard. You don't have to. No. Uh, they're as capable of as, as other fighters. And as warriors go, uh, they were no slouch. They didn't suffer any major penalties. Just a little slower to pick up the uh, you know weapon proficiencies. Uh, and to, you know, pick up the extra attacks per round and stuff like that. None of those penalties kicked in at first level. So when you were starting at ground level with a brand new party, that Paladin's a great choice. Uh, first edition school. Oh, yeah. And now, you know, more more importantly, back in the uh, first edition, um, the Paladin was also, uh, had a high experience point ratio to level up. Versus other characters, so those that those powers were kind of also offset by there was only so many magic items you could have, and only so much treasure you could carry with you and use. You know that paladin was expected to give away his excess, and in addition to ties that he couldn't personally carry with him on or carry on his mount and all that. But you know, later editions of Gorus started to move the paladin to more in line with power and balance to other classes. And also one of the big things with the Paladin is, is if you mess up, you start to lose powers. Now, a small infraction might be your war horse leaving you or loss of ability or two, like your lay on hands or detect evil. But those could all be remedied with an atonement. See, or... I, I for higher level Paladins, I always started out of the gate with the loss of all but first level spells uh, as like penalty number one. Mm -hmm. Just that's the warning shot. And that's the warning shot. That's not even the, like, you know, kicking the, the groin that you get for misbehaving seriously. That's the, you have strayed. You find that you're down to bless and cure light wounds. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, generally speaking, almost all paladins are going to run astray. And that's fine. Part of the idea of the paladin is that there's a redemption. And it's not so much that the gods are punishing you, but you have to forgive yourself. And sort of that... Kind of way that, uh, yeah, moment of rededication. That uh, you're not. It's not your wrong deeds that did it. It's, that's how they've changed you, and you coming to terms with that. And also, it leads to adventuring. It leads to questing, and you know sometimes the party inadvertently gets carried along with some of the paladin's expectations of those. Not only just having to deal with the paladin's code or his needs or wants. The paladin also has to, you know, the party kind of has to expect to get this uh, powerful holy warrior and keep him in line with the party. They have to kind of help him out as well. Yeah, so something that we ran into a number of times uh, many years ago, we would get into adventures where some subtlety was required, or if the party's plan in general was uh, conceal ourselves, sneak into town, uh, you know, or sneak into a hostile place by pretending to be them. And then you got to drag, you know, clanky Mr. Uh, Dudley Do-Right 
around and convince him to somehow uh, not interrupt you while you are lying your faces off. Uh, just like, okay, this is a temporary deception for a greater noble good. We've got to get into this city. If we just storm the gates, there's like 10,000 of them in there and we're going to get swamped. You cannot achieve victory by the standard frontline means. We must use a little subtlety. All it requires on your part is that you be tolerant of somebody saying something that is not true. Now, it's at this stage that the DM, smirking mightily, <laughs> plots for somebody to question each character one at a time. Yep, and, you know, that's the thing is the paladin... Although we spend a lot of time now talking about all the problems of the Paladin here, why would you play a Paladin? Well, first of all, if you're going to lose your powers half the time by just playing the game as is expected or having to deal with other people other than Paladinly code that don't adhere to Paladinly codes of conduct, what's the use of playing one? Well, first of all, yeah, besides those handy abilities, you also have you know one of the better insights into the game is that you know that your character is personally serving a power of good. Now, it doesn't always have to be a deity, it could be a philosophy, it could be even an order. But whatever it is, that is your paladin serves is true and just. And so you kind of have that backing. You know where you stand. You know who's on your side. Uh, this is a moment of DM advice here. And I'm, I'm not saying you, you know, per usual with any DM advice that comes from either of us, you know, it's not a hard and fast rule. It's not a thing we expect everybody to do. I'm just throwing some options out. Exercise discretion when you have players in a preset group and you already know what they're like. Uh, the decision to bring a paladin into the mix has to be made before it hits the table. Because once they're there, you got to deal with the consequences. So if you have somebody who wants to play a paladin and they're already jumping into an established party of, you know, people who occasionally burn down a little village here or there, maybe, you know, dunk the mayor of town in a trough until he tell, coughs up the last of his gold. If you got somebody like that at your table, this is not a group that is ideal to bring a paladin in. Exercise your own discretion and say, yeah, that's not really going to go with the flow of the party. That, you know, uh, walk it back before the crisis hits. And another thing that I think that uh, bears mentioning as far as DMing a paladin is, never give your paladin a phylactracy of faithfulness without them actually having it. In other words, don't telegraph to the paladin player, oh, you shouldn't do that, you might lose your powers. I mean, obviously, if it's going to be a gross violation of law and good or the paladin code, you might be, um, you wouldn't be out of your line as a DM to remind them. That, well, that's not something that you think the normal paladin would do, or give them some friendly reminder. But use, use your standard DM stock phrase with the raised eyebrow. Are you sure that's what you're planning to do? Have you thought this through entirely? Okay, you're sure. All right. Then let the consequences hit. <laughs> right, let them live with the consequences of their action. Don't that's half the problem with alignment, and we covered that previously. And we also mentioned a little bit about it, clerics, is that there are different ways that you can have your displeasure known with the deity or order or the philosophy, whatever you're using. You know, that 
the game is as broad as you want to make it. If you want to keep it down to the Western archetype, yeah, sure, you know, it's with church and uh, faith. But it could also be from another culture. It could be with a different philosophy. However you make your paladin and whatever uh, cloth they're cut from, make sure that the paladin lives by the code and you judge them fairly. And I don't think anybody would be remiss in saying that you are nothing but fair in that if they lose their powers or are unable to play with it. And also, you know, if, if it's too much for the player, have them walk it back. You know, just say maybe the paladin's not for you. And, you know... Before any anything goes on, you know, allow them to remake another character and get back on with the game. Yeah, there's no actual shame in uh, redrafting, going back to the drawing board. More than once, a character concept has gone horribly awry. Uh, you know, paladins notwithstanding. This, this applies to any game, any mechanic system, any class. People have designed characters in the past and gotten midway through and thought you know, this is not working out for me. This is not quite what I imagined it to be. You know, I got a fire in my belly to do something else. Now, it's almost a topic for another time, but I've usually handled that by, you know, if people quit a character in mid-campaign, there is some small penalty, uh, like starting a level behind the rest of the party. Uh, but nothing major. You know, the objective is always to have people have fun, and if right, a paladin right. isn't for them, then so be it. But playing a paladin well is hard, and I've done it several times. And Void uh, Detallion. Yeah, I've lost my powers and gained them back and never gave up, and that's the biggest thing. I died by the wand of Orcus and <laughs> refused to be resurrected, not out of petulance, but because there's what? no greater honor. Yeah, going down fighting the worst, you know. Yeah. What a way to go. That's, well, I mean, that that's the, the meat and drink of gaming right there, is an epic death is all a, a gamer can ask for for their character. Yep. Born the Rogue, mm -hmm. bit the dust in Legendary Module. White Plume Mountain. Yeah. Oh, man. Drowned in a boiling lake, fighting the, the giant crab. Uh, yeah, we... We burst the bubble, basically. We, we burst the bubble, the, the complex flooded, and we were all boiled alive and flushed out of the compound and down the side of the mountain. But, epic battle. I have no shame about that, that character death. That was just some of the... I was a little crestfallen right at the first moment, but I kind of sat back and just took a deep breath and went, what an awesome way to go. Yep. Absolute classic module. Uh just raising Cain all the way through it. We were doing real well. And it just ended the campaign on a high note, which, yeah, total casualties. I think the only survivor was the Flesh Golem. Yep. But, you know, we uh, we have played a lot of characters, and I would say that Paladin's my favorite. And he looked like a microwaved hot dog when it was over. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> well, good old Flesh Golems. Um... <laughs> But yeah, to basically uh, wrap it up, Paladin is oh, probably yeah. one of the most rewarding classes to play. I've had more fun with it than any other. And, uh, you know, totally using a two-handed sword or basset sword, sword and shield. I've ran through the gamut of it. I've never gotten bored of playing a Paladin and never had anybody uh, say that I played a bad one or played it badly. So I guess oh, that's high no, compliment. No, not at all. You, you played, uh, well, let's see, two Paladins in my memory. Uh, with Boyd Detallion being the most notable. And uh, 
All of the times that I remember you playing one, you really had a good bead on what the core concept of the character was. You knew where you were going with it. Uh, and let's face it, I don't think you would have had the alignment ding had you not been intentionally placed in situations as a character that were meant to test you. They were meant to put you on the spot uh, to, to make you make that choice like, I can accomplish the goal, or I can live up to my faith. And, you know, on a couple of occasions, you chose the goal. Which, yeah. and you took it like a champ. You just went, you know what? I've accomplished the goal. I understood that I violated my ethos to get this done. And I am prepared to make amends. I know what I did wrong. I'm going to fix this, and I'm going to make it right. But I got the goal done first. You know, well, yeah, I'm task oriented, but <laughs> you know, he probably punched the dryad in the face. People <laughs> from charming old party while the druid exactly. looked on. It, that is exactly what it was, too. It, it was about. It wasn't about whether it was a good deed or a cruel deed. You know, it was not a like no bloodshed was at risk, but sudden instantaneous violence was used against somebody that basically had in their way threatened the party. And, by default, threatened their ability to complete their mission. Uh, and it may not have been the <laughs> classical heroic act, but it was a thing that needed to be done. And you just took it like a pro. It's like, you know what? I know it's wrong. But pow! I am setting the law down right here. You do not get to keep my pals. Uh, and that was, that, was, that was just superb RP right there. Just... Yeah, I take the consequences. Yep, I will make it in the nose. Get a ding on my powers. Didn't lose them all, but no, yeah. no, just a, a temporary ding. Go do a heroic deed and bang, you know, little donation to the church and all is well. But uh, it was a redemption, but druidic redemption. But hey, you know that's what it's all about. But anyway, we yeah we we hit the thirty plus minute mark. Yeah, so we, we got to hold and this We out. talked about Paladin, but just again, wrap it up. Uh, Paladin should never be a grown moment for the rest of the party. The yeah, well played Paladin should be a valuable asset and a sturdy anchor for the party to lean on when times get tough. Especially if you're in a really uh, a campaign focused against evil, there is nothing better to have the Paladin on in your corner. Oh, very much so. If you're going to be fighting extra planar forces of evil, this is the dude you want backing you up. This, uh, any paladin uh, stacks up against evil powers. Uh, if you've got a player and, say for instance, uh, your campaign is headed into negative uh, energy territory, on lots of undead in some campaigns or lots of demons and devils and whatnot. Hey, let them rock. Uh, any man or woman who plays a paladin is going to find themselves the most useful member of the party in a heartbeat when the chips are down and, you know, like, they're coming out of the walls! They're coming out of the goddamn walls! Yep. Uh, that's the moment you want the hero of goodness and light laying the smack down with saving throw bonuses for everybody nearby. And if it could be said that the one drawback is that the Paladin has principles, well, that's because if you don't have principles, they don't bite you in the ass. Yeah. And if they don't bite you in the ass, you didn't have principles. So yeah. that's where we're going to leave it off. 
I think we've covered it, and thanks again for sticking with us. Yeah. I hope you enjoy these. We're going to do a little bit more, but not every week. I uh, we just wanted to get the Paladin out of the way. It's something yeah, we've been kicking around. As the months go by, we'll probably touch on the other character classes, each in their own turn. Uh, although I'm really looking forward to pre-Halloween. We're not going to give it away yet. Yeah. We're not going to give we it away yet. we got some stuff prepared for Halloween, so stick but, with us. Uh, spooky. All right. All right, but... We've worn out our welcome here, so you talk your ears off, and hopefully by this time you're not laying down, sleeping, or snoring away calmly. And if we did, you know, at least you get some good uh, shut eye. Yeah, and when we close it out, uh, the sudden silence will help snap you out of your coma. Uh. Right on, but uh, keep those likes coming, and thanks everybody for your kind support and good words. So we'll keep this going, and we'll come at you Friday, but until then, may the dice... dice. Always roll in your favor. And we're out. See ya.